Toronto's most famous primate is back for a new adventure at his favorite store. The flash-based computer game created by a Seneca College animation professor and some of his students has Darwin, a.k.a. the Ikea monkey, navigating the treacherous parking lot at the Swedish furniture store. They'll just walk where they need to go. They'll throw their shopping carts right up the street. Nobody seems to care. The object of the game is to have Darwin collect an Allen key and all of the necessary parts to build a Billy Wall shelf. It's got to have something to put some of its belongings of thinking of the life that he possibly may never have now that he's in monkey jail. The only defense for the shearling coat-wearing antagonist is his agility and, well, some self-made projectiles. Excrement. Yeah, he... Um, he reaches into his diaper and he flings poo at uh, the passerby, like any good monkey with common sense would. You know, I've always loved cartoons. I have. Uh, there's some that go close to the heart. Shamefully, I was I watched a lot of the Flintstones '60s episodes. I don't know if that's shamefully. You know, the first five to ten years of The Simpsons definitely left a mark on me and my son, I think. And there are so many other examples. They just transcended as someone's childhood growing up in the '70s, '80s, '90s in Canada. And I've always wanted to look into the world of animation. Well. I'm going to do that today with the Peterborough no-go representative, someone who went to high school, went to school here, grew up in Keene, did some work here, left his mark, Barnabas Warnoff, and he still has uh, connections here with up-and-coming talent in the field of animation. So today we're going to delve into the world of animation from the greatly talented perspective of Barnabas Warnoff. A longtime veteran of the animation industry. He's, among other things, a co founder of Taffy, the Toronto Animations Arts Festival International, an instructor at Seneca College in animation and illustration streams, senior producer and creative producer at Smiley Guy Studios, and involved in many other past productions that I'll maybe I'll get into more later. So, hope you here enjoy my interview with Barnabas Warnoff. Uh, yeah, thank you very much for joining me. Yeah, happy to be yeah. here. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I feel quite honored. It's the first time I've had anyone in animation been able to speak to. I, I hey. find um, no matter what uh, medium of art uh, there is, there's always seems to be a Peterborough connection somewhere, Peterborough County at least. So. Ah. Um, so that's, that's, that's great. And there are... Um, a lot of a lot of uh, things I find relevant to our modern times to do with animation, but uh, I'll will start uh, the narrative in the past. Uh, what what got you into animation? I think I read somewhere when you were growing up, you were a big Teletoon fan. Uh, yeah, I mean, I was I was a big Bugs Bunny. I think Tweety fan, Ren and Stimpy. Uh, it's a lot of the classic Warner Brothers and Disney stuff, but I think more the the comedy slapsticky stuff. 
So kind of what got me into animation while I was going to go into architecture was my, my main goal, uh, in high school. Cause I didn't really know you could be an animator, even though I think I, di- I visited Disney when I was a kid, uh, with my parents on a trip and we did see like cell painting and stuff. And I did have stuff, stuff like some, some books on animation, but I didn't know it was a thing, I guess, until, uh, I was in football. I was going to St. Pete's at the time and I was on the bus going to football. And then one of the big dumb guys on the bus was like, we're all talking about what we're doing, going to university and in college. And I didn't really know much about colleges, but I was, I was planning on going to McGill or UFT or something. And then he was like, I'm going to animation. I'm going to Sheridan. I was like, really? You're going to animation. So then basically I pulled a 180. I got my dad to take me on a tour of Sheridan because it was only the only animation school back then. Now there's mm-hmm. like 10 animation schools just in Ontario alone. Um, but back then it was, that's you go to Sheridan. And you do it. So then I, I changed my portfolio and I applied and I didn't get in. I got waitlisted and put, uh, I got into art fundamentals. So then I didn't have any like life drawing experience, which is important. You got to be able to draw the human figure and that kind of stuff. And they didn't offer that stuff in high school. They didn't know anything. So, uh, I studied hard. I worked, worked hard, got straight A's and then I got direct entry into animation. The rest is history. Okay. So. Just stepping back a bit. So yeah, you, you said you didn't, uh, you didn't pick up many, um, I guess the fundamentals of visual arts in high school. Um, is there, like, did you have an interest in visual arts at all in any sense, in any broader sense before you got to Sheridan? Yeah, I always took art, uh, Mm. and I started doing more acting too, but I always, I always thought like, you know, you pick one arts, and I never really took music, although I regret that in the end. Um, because I, I got more into, you know, playing guitar and stuff in college. But anyway, uh, art was my main thing. And so mm-hmm. I, always, I painted the first mural on the wall at St. Peter's uh, when it was a brand new school. Oh, wow. yeah. uh, I carved a totem pole at one point, um, kind of like a replica of a Haida totem pole and put that in the library for a while. Cracked, cracked to pieces. So, yeah, like drawing, sketching, painting. Uh, I took some watercolor courses as well. So I, so I had a, you know, good fundamentals of art, but not, uh, and I taught myself how to caricature as well. Mm -hmm. So when I was in college, I guess, then I, uh, I taught myself caricature. I guess at the end of high school too, I was a big fan of like Mark Drucker and Mad Magazine. Mm So then I kind of studied his technique of doing caricatures and then got my own sense of that and then started doing caricatures to put myself through college as well. Cause easy money to draw people. Um, but anyway, yeah, I had a solid base of, of drawing skills, but not in the classical sense. Okay. And what, what campus were you at with, uh, at Sheridan? Cause I don't like, were you at Oakville or something? Yeah. Else? Yeah. There's, there was just one big main one in Oakville. So it was right in the middle of, uh, suburbs and it was pretty, you know, pretty isolated in there. All you did is you, mm-hmm. You know, went to school and then drank and smashed stuff. So okay, those are two options. <laughs> okay, well, despite that, despite that, it doesn't sound too bad in some ways. Uh, I tell you, you you came out uh, loving animation even more. Yeah, for sure. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, we came out kind of the worst time you could graduate too. We came out right mm-hmm. at when SARS happened. So then we usually have like an industry day where industry come up and hire people from you know Disney and everything. And then nobody came that year because they're like, well. SARS, that's 
we don't want to go there. So then uh, there was not many job prospects. And it was right at the cusp, too, when things were going from I, I studied classical animation, which was hand drawn on paper. And then you'd have to like photo photograph it with a camera or scan it in. So that was like a dying art. Um, and, you know, we were shooting on we were the first year, second year to have computers there. We were using uh, Mac Power G3 Max, which was like super old. So anyway, we could barely even like color and composite our films. Uh, so then there was not many job prospects. So I just tricked all my friends into coming, working with me and starting a, a studio in Peterborough, which we did to make the super popular show with Chex and Kojiko TV. Uh, it was animated bits. So it was like a, a running animated bit. We did a pilot first, which, uh, worked with some of my, 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 graduates and then with that pilot then we got the okay from checks and coach so it was like a comedy show it was like saturday night live um kids in the hall where there's like filmed skits that mm-hmm. we so we acted in it and we filmed it around peterborough and then we animated the 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 main running the theme throughout each show so it started a couple of characters um this guy brunswick and soup mm-hmm. were the two main characters so i voiced soup who talked in a voice kind of like this. Oh, Brunswick, okay. what are we doing? And then Brunswick was voiced by uh, Ron McFarlane, who was the voice of Country 105 for many years. Okay, yeah. He's got a... He, yeah, it was good. So anyway, that was fun. We did uh, four episodes of that. We pitched it at the Banff Television Festival. Uh, we met with the Kids in the Hall's lawyer, David Hilmelfarb, before we went. We met with uh, Mark Breslin, who owns all the Yuck Yuck comedy clubs. And then from there, the consensus was that we should do more live shows. So then we turned our focus on doing live shows. We started a sketch comedy uh, group called The Shrimps. And for three years, then we did live comedy in Peterborough at The Trash or The Gordon Best and focused on writing. So that was pretty intense where we would, we would get together Sunday nights and throw around ideas and start writing. Then Tuesday night, we would uh, rehearse scripts that we had written. And then Friday night, we would put on the show, a live show with sketch comedy and improv comedy. And that was a weekly show we did for three years. And it was, it was super intense, but it taught us a lot. Okay. And this time period would be like what the 2000s sort of thing. Yeah, I think uh, 2002 I graduated. 2003 mm-hmm. I think was super popular, so it must have been like 2005, 2006, 2007, something like that. Okay. So in your kind of experience after Sheridan, when you were working here and doing um, a show on checks and other things. Um, what, what's, is there something you picked out of that, like early career experience that you, that like, uh, just a working skill or things you learned about animation that have, you've applied to things you've done later in your career? Well, I think the acting side and the directing right. side I've definitely used. I mean, I teach, teach animation now and I direct animation for, uh, many things, Fox shows, uh, I'm working uh, with Bento right now through Smiley Guy. So they mm-hmm. have a show called Housebroken. So I'm directing the retakes for that. And same with Housebroken or sorry, um, uh, Mulligan, which is Amy, Amy, uh, Amy Poehler. No, 
Right. Tina, Tina Fey created. Yeah, that's, gonna, that's right. Yeah. That's going to be a new show on Netflix. And so I directed retakes on that. Uh, so yeah, writing was huge because I wasn't into animation as much. And then I started doing more freelance when I was doing the comedy. Mm-hmm. So I did some documentaries and animation stuff. And then the digital side started picking up the 2D side. And then I started working freelance for Smiley Guy, which I'm back at working at now. I started working on a show called The Dating Guy, which was, uh, I think, for Comedy Network. Yeah, I, I remember that one. And Hotbox, which was a Canadian one, Pat Thornton. And then I basically bounced around different studios working on many cartoons. So then I, I basically got married and I left Peterborough <laughs> left, left in the dust and then uh, started teaching more. I was, I guess I was teaching at, at Seneca mm-hmm. uh, animation while I was acting, while I was doing freelance. So it was pretty crazy. Um, yeah. Uh, so then, yeah, basically I worked on a whole bunch of kids cartoons um, and then got my master's in art and animation doing that kind of stuff. And then, then I'm full-time coordinator and anim, uh, 2d head of 2d at Seneca now, as well as a creative producer and animation director at smiley guy. And in there, uh, we started an animation festival in Toronto called Taffy. Yes. I was, was going to get to that. So, uh, I believe that Toronto uh, Animation Arts Festival International. So that's yeah, probably, yeah, that's one. So what what got you into that exactly? And what is um, what is it? Your I guess that's um, what is the sort of the goal of Taffy overall? Well, I guess what what started it. We did our first animation festival at Showplace. Uh, we took a bunch of our films that we graduated with uh, from Sheridan, and then we. We did a pilot of our super popular show, which was just like silly, a silly heads, like filming each other. And then we played that all together. So we rented Showplace and put that on. And that was pretty fun and great to see everybody uh, watch your cartoons and enjoy it. And then we, we did that again when I did the Peterborough Time cartoon, which I don't know mm-hmm. if you've seen, but that's. We basically wrote a cartoon that involved all the arts and artists in town at the time. Yeah, uh, I think I've seen very much of that actually. So that's uh, I never put it online. Exactly. It was yeah. a lot of the stuff I did was before YouTube, and then I just yeah. I never did it. Never put it online. But that's mm-hmm. we we had Dean Del Mastro. He was the MP at the time. Yeah, and we we wrote him as the villain, and then Washboard Hank was the hero of the arts in oh, town. Of course, yeah. Yeah. And we did like a three part cartoon of it. It was, it was way too much work. I, I don't know. It's a bad idea, but, but we did it. it. Took like two summers and I had interns working. We did it in, in flash. And then we had a bunch of bands play so that we brought back the silver hearts. It was the mm-hmm. first time that they reunited, uh, for years. We brought them back together and then they, then they reunited a bunch of times after that, but we brought them back together. <laughs> um, so that was great too. Yeah, but then, but then I think I'm off topic. You asked about what Taffy is supposed to be or what it is. So basically, we started Taffy from there's there's another animation festival in Ottawa, which we always went to. I went to since I was a student, and it was great. But it was in Ottawa, and uh, I I was living in Toronto with a lot of animators and 
and all this stuff. And we didn't have anything that featured animation as much in Toronto. And it's like the head of animation basically in Canada. So we said we should have something here in Toronto uh, that complements that, not not uh, competes with Ottawa, but uh, complements. So then we basically, over 10 years ago, then we got together a board of directors and, you know, the whole thing. And we put on um, a big festival at the TIFF, mm-hmm. TIFF Bell Lightbox. We did yep. that for a couple of years. And then we basically figured out what this festival was uh where now it's actually four different animation events throughout the year so we have a film festival coming up and we have it at hot docs now because we can just take over the whole cinema for the weekend uh so that's the mid-february february uh 16th to 18th you should come up it's gonna be great give you a pass um and then we have uh, an outdoor screening in Christy Pitts. We, we screen Turning Red by Domi Shi, who's a, a Sheridan grad as well, but she's a big Disney Pixar director. Uh, so we played that and got her to introduce it. So we're doing another film fest outside this year in the park. And then we have an industry conference in November. And then we have a job fair for animation people. Uh, end of April, when all of my students graduate, then there's a big job fair. So it's there's a lot of animation-y stuff happening in toronto right is it it meant to be in a way uh a source for who people are just getting into animation to go to for guidance in a way it's a little bit of both Mm -hmm. i'd say it's like it's definitely like a a warm snuggly place for you know students to go Mm -hmm. and celebrate to see stuff i think it's three-pronged where it's it's students and then it's industry people are already into industry that want to watch stuff that they either they've made or stuff that inspires them. And the other one is, yeah, it's a gateway of bringing families and kids and inspiring them and getting them involved in animation. We're doing our first school screening this year. So bringing in a bunch of kids from a grade school Mm. to watch cartoons at hot docs as well. So making it free and accessible to them to inspire them outside. So we want to, we already have like the animation students in the industry, but we want to kind of broaden and bring it down a little bit. So we get more grade school, high school, and just celebrate. The main thing is like celebrate what we do in Toronto uh, and also bring what's happening in the world to Toronto. And in November, I think you've referred to this like a sort of an industry conference. Yeah, but you, you had a real life conference um, and I take it that has to do more of an industry kind of conference you have. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, yeah. it's a lot of the people, like what we're really interested in is, is the creators and the directors and, uh, you know, all the different moving parts behind animation, whether it's, you know, the voice actors, uh, we had Sean Cullen, who's a Canadian, uh, a Peterborough native boy, uh, mm-hmm. during the virtual festival, he was doing a fun, um, altered reality voice thing. So basically like, you know, any, any part of the animation pipeline, whether it's people doing backgrounds, people doing concept art, people doing VFX, people doing color style, um, the whole, the whole gamut, 3d side, visual effects side. We are interested. And we even had like a mom's panel. So talking about moms and animation, how do they balance? How do they still stay inspired? All that kind of good stuff. Okay. And were there any major, it sounds like obviously a lot of variety, but is there any sort of major themes that you were folk, the conference was focused on this year or Taffy was focused on? 
Uh, we always have like a big, you know, keynote speaker. So we mm-hmm. were, we were celebrating uh rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So I don't know if you've seen that on Netflix, but uh, they just did a movie. A little bit, yeah. Mm-hmm. They did a movie. So uh, we were talking to those. It's a Nickelodeon, Nickelodeon show uh, mm-hmm. that was done before and it was a great reboot. So we had two of the creators, Ant and Andy up to Toronto. So we, uh, played some clips from that. And then we had the voice actor who does all the voices from all the Warner Brother cartoons. So his name's Eric Bauza. He's, um, super talented and also a Scarborough native as well. Hmm. So he came up, he's in, he's in LA now permanently, but he came up too. And then we had Jessica Barutsky who, uh, redesigned all the Bugs Bunny characters for Wabbit, which was a re, reboot of Bugs Bunny too. So it was a lot of uh, Warner Brothers and uh, Nickelodeon type stuff, I think was kind of what we're highlighting this time. So the creators behind that stuff. Okay. And eventually, yeah, as you were one, of, one thing you're mentioning, you eventually got into uh, teaching at Seneca. So what is it you currently teach at Seneca? I mean, obviously having to do with animation, but a certain do. program yeah. exactly. Yeah, so we have our animation department. It's at the York University campus. That's where all the mm-hmm. arts are from from Seneca. Uh, but I'm the coordinator of 2D, so the the two dimensional animation, hand drawn dimensional. Uh, I'm talking to you right now. I'm looking at a Cintiq, but here's my my digital stylus pen, so I can yep. draw and erase on the screen using that. Um, so basically, I. Uh, I'm the coordinator of that and I help mentor this, the film students to make cartoons. So if you look at the website Seneca2D.com, then that's our website for hosting the cartoons that we make there. So there's, I think we're in our sixth year of making, uh, short films and then the films are just, they're great. So we have mentors that are helping. We have all our teachers teach specific parts of it. So I teach the film part of it. So I teach them film and, and how to tell stories. Uh, and then I also teach the animation side. So how to, how to animate properly, how to, how to, another teacher builds, helps them build characters. And then how we, how we do this is either we build puppets of the characters. So we move them around mm-hmm. and then I'll help with the acting. Um, and that's where, you know, my background in acting and directing really comes in handy is helping these kids make these cartoons that are, that are great. They're getting to festivals all over the world. So that's, inspiring to see the next generation making stuff that's great well it definitely sounds uh definitely uh like if i was in the position of being a student it sounds like something if i of being a a a great area of fertile growth if i have like a creative mind and uh be able to apply a variety of skills to i guess i'm wondering what your perspective is even say compared to the 2000s that we were recently talking to till now, what do you think are some issues students face that perhaps today that perhaps you didn't when you were at Sheridan? Well, I think like COVID is a big thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause I think that like knocked the hell out of their social skills. Pretty, pretty good being online for two years. Yeah. Um, I think like, it's a great time though. Computers are so fast and so great and, and all the software is pretty stable at this point. So I think it's the best time to, to be learning on computers in real life with a great faculty. Uh, so I think 
on that side of it, technology has really advanced and made it easier to do great cartoons, both 2D, 3D, kind of everything has come together a little bit. Um, so I guess that's like the main thing. Okay. Yeah. Um, and is there any, uh, you, you mentioned a few of what you were doing in the past, uh, when you were working that period in the 2000s in Peterborough, but is there any uh, other sort of prominent animators from Peterborough that you uh, either worked with in the past or or starting to thrive now? Maybe they're younger than you. Yeah, totally. There's the Braithwaite twins who are from, they used to live on Collison Avenue, but they, I met them when I went into, uh, just do a talk at my mom's school. She was teaching at St. Pat's mm-hmm. um, just down on the, I don't know what end of that is. I <laughs> know where south, it is. South yeah, end of Peterborough. I mean, yeah. Right next yeah. to the park parkway bypass. Yeah. Anyway, they were in grade seven. I was given a grade and talk in grade four. So they came, showed me their sketchbooks. And then from there, then they, we became friends. Mm-hmm. They interned in my studio and worked on Peterborough time. And then they both went to Seneca for illustration first and then for animation and they've been doing music videos. They've been working for multiple studios doing storyboards and animation and backgrounds. So uh, yeah, Sam Braithwaite and Steph Braithwaite are, Hmm. are ones to look out for. They're in Toronto now, but they are born and and raised in Peterborough. Eventually they do, they do have to, out of necessity, leave the nest, but like you did, but, uh, yeah, that's, that's, it's good to hear that they, yeah, they got their upbringing here. Um, now I noticed you did your masters all the way out. I'm probably doing a slight mispronunciation, but all the way out in Bournemouth, Bournemouth in uh, the UK. What made you go overseas to get your masters? Yeah. I mean, uh, basically, I needed to get a master's to teach full time is what it's, what it's like these days. So their, their masters, there's, you know, you can't really get a master's in cartoons very easily. So theirs was at a school that had animation and it was a, it was a school that specialized in media and education, which I was kind of in both, you know, media being animation, illustration, um, and then the teaching side of it too. So it was kind of a perfect fit. Uh, the other thing it was, it was, it was probably cheaper than having your master's in Canada and you could do it part-time. Hmm. So, uh, I only had, I had to fly over there physically four times at the start of each part, but then I didn't have to like sit in class as like a usual master's student would have to do. I could work at my own pace on that side of it. And then I had to go and, uh, do like a, uh, like a, like a thesis thing at the end. So you had to write all mm-hmm. your, you know, 10,000, four 10,000 word essays. And then I made a cartoon as part of it. And then you had to do like a, a thesis part, which mine was like, um, inspiring students through work and display cabinets. So I did a big, uh, research project and interviewed people and, uh, put on a big art show with student work as like a final thing. And then, then got my master's. Okay. So, All right. Yeah. Um, so it was, it was a lot of ways because uh, the program kind of worked for someone who didn't uh, want to be like one to have it on a part-time basis. And also, like you said, uh, cartooning is a rare thing to come by, but, uh, 
Yeah. In, in Canada, like you could get one, you could get a film if master's in film or something. Mm-hmm. The other thing is I didn't have a bachelor's. And so with Sheridan, you, I had a diploma of animation, which was three years. So this school accepted work experience and your diploma as equivalent of a bachelor's. Whereas, mm. uh, now Sheridan has a bachelor's. Um, so anyway, it's a bit of a, a bit of a hoop that you could jump over on that side right. of it. Um, I mean, you've been involved in so many things, uh, but uh, I guess uh, what shows or productions that you've been involved with do you find yourself most proud of? Um, that's a great question. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like the stuff that I'm working on right now. It's adult animation. It makes me, you know, I like a good joke. So okay. House Broken, um, I, I like that. And uh, and same with Mulligan. Those are both fun shows to work at. Um, I liked working on Total Drama Island. That was a, that was a fun series. That was for Elliot. Mm-hmm. Um, Jimmy Two Shoes was another fun one to work on. Right, yeah. That was a good one. I did some storyboarding. Actually, there was a, there was a guy I did storyboarding for. He lived in Peterborough. His name was Shane Day. Mm-hmm. And he is a director now in Toronto, but at the time he was storyboarding in his basement for Nickelodeon and he needed help cleaning up his storyboards because it was so much work. So then, then he would rough out the boards on paper and then he would bring them over to my studio and then I would clean them up and put them on model. And then we would photocopy them at Staples and then send a package of all the paper to California for them to pitch to now everything's digital, but that was back on paper. That was, um, I worked on Danny Phantom. So that was fun. And another show called wow, wow, Wubsy, which was another is Nick jr. Show. As, um, is it, uh, like, uh, for house broken, I guess for itself. I don't, I don't know too much about that production. Is there a way you could describe that one house broken? Yeah, um, it's like animals, so it's mm-hmm. it focuses around cats and dogs, and um, it's got an all star voice cast. We did one one episode with David Spade. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had to we had to actually take the head off of another actor who had died and put David Spade's head on it, and they had to rewrite the whole episode. Mm-hmm. It was Ray Liotta. Do you know that actor? Yep. So he's died, but they already had him voice part of the episodes. Mm-hmm. So then we had to cut his head off and put on David Spade's head and reanimate David Spade saying lines. Uh, so that was, that was fun. There's a Christmas episode of that already out. I think they put it on at Christmas, but anyway, it's like it's dogs and cats and it's, it's adult animation. So it's a little rude and dirty. Mm-hmm. And, um, and one, the main dog, uh, she runs a therapy group for everybody, voice actor. So Lisa Kudrow, um, who's a voice actor and she was a friends, friends star. She voices Honey, who was the main character. I think she was Phoebe and friends. Mm-hmm. But Will Forte is in there. And, uh, yeah, anyway, it's a good time. Okay. 
Okay. Does some inspiration of that come from uh, your own experiences with uh, domestic animals? Well, I just do revs on it, so I'm not mm-hmm. writing the show, and I'm mm-hmm. not I'm not overall supervising it. What I do, so my job is we get animation that was animated in Korea, and it was okay. animated in Harmony. So then each one is like a box of tricks that you open a shot and you have these uh, revs that you have to do. Mm-hmm. And so then I have a team of graduates from Seneca and some other um, uh, older animators too. So basically I assign everybody stuff and then they do it based on the notes. And then I kind of supervise them and look at what the, what the original shot was and what the acting is. And then I try to plus the acting or if there's anything you know, that's weird or run cycles are off or anything. We just try to plus all the animation and then it, then we just work back and forth. So we work on, um, discord is a, an online platform. Mm-hmm. So, so like we had a discord meeting this morning, going through the episode, talking about what we're doing. So that show is due, that episode's due Friday. So we're, we're doing our damnedest to get all the shots in. So we have like 60 shots or something that we have to fix or change or re-lip sync. A lot of times they'll rewrite the line too. So with American cartoons, they have more money to burn. So they, uh, they'll, they'll get the whole episode animated and then they'll watch it. And then they'll be like, ah, well, let's make it funnier here and there. And then they'll rewrite stuff and get the voice actors to come in and re re-record some lines and it makes the cartoon better, but it's, it's a lot of work. Someone's got to do it. And us Canadians are fixing this American show. <laughs> Um, I take it most of your career and for most of your students too, you're basically in a freelance position pretty much most of the time, if not all the time. Is that, is that a correct statement? Mm, sometimes like me, uh, although I'm, I'm full time at, at smiley guy now as a producer and director. Right. So I don't have to worry about that. But yeah, when I was at, I was at Nelvana and I worked on a few shows as me and Roy and, um, and Peg and Corn, I was freelance for them. And then, then I was in studio for Elliot when I was working on those shows. And same with Nine Story. It depends on what you want, really. You can be freelance or you can be full time, depending on the studio, how big it is, how small it is. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I guess there's advantages to both, but, uh, um, yeah. And have you done any work yourself in gaming? Uh, I dabbled in it, but more the, more the silly games. So mm-hmm. we did, um, when the Ikea monkey came out, we yes. did, I- we did an Ikea monkey game that you could play on your cell phone. Based so. on Darwin, I assume. Yeah. 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 Totally. So we're like, this is huge. Let's, let's do it. So we did, uh, our first iPhone Android game mm-hmm. and then it got hits from all over the world. We had like, I don't know, 20,000, 20,000 plays within the first little while. We're on the news, like for, uh, Toronto Star and stuff came and did stories on us. So it was it was fun, and then we did another one with Rob Ford with his whole yeah. crack scandal. So we had one uh, where he was trying to get away from the media and um, eat fried chicken and find crack pipes. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, he was the perfect cartoon character. He was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Um, and. Uh, yeah, and also I believe didn't you do? As uh, this wasn't a game, but it was some sort of uh, animated production. The 
2015 federal election. I believe he did something. It's a oh, yeah, satire yeah. piece anyway. Yeah. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Yeah. We wrote a, a three part cartoon or two part. I don't know. We, yeah, we did. It was basically me and my writing partner, Dan Smith, who's mm-hmm. a local comedian. He's still in Peterborough. Yeah. Um, he was a chef at the old stone for many years until it closed. And then, uh, and then he's doing more acting improv, all that good stuff. He's amazing. So we wrote a lot of stuff and sometimes he'd be like, Barney, we got to do this. And I was like, okay, Dan, let's do it. So then I would help. He would write it and then I would be stuck animating it and directing it. <laughs> no matter how long it took. Sometimes it took two years, like the Peter Bro time cartoon, mm-hmm. but it was fun. It was then the main thing. It was fun making cartoons and it's fun working with people. So we just kept doing it. Now, do you have um, many students forget for sort of your teaching perspective at Seneca who are interested or their main focus is working in gaming? Uh, well, we have a gaming stream. So mm-hmm. there's, so there's 2d stream, which I'm the coordinator of. There's a gaming stream and there's a 3d stream. Mm-hmm. So, so students that are interesting specifically in gaming, then they go into gaming stream and I don't really talk to them because they're in their okay. own thing. So they get, so there's, yeah, there's lots of great gaming stuff. There's a, uh, one of my students from illustration, he builds websites, but he loves making games on the side. And then the Braithwaite twins, um, sometimes work with him on games too. So they've done some game jams and that kind of stuff. So they do games. I think he he even made a a game, a Wordle like spinoff, where mm. it's like bigger and uh, and that gets like major traffic too, and it's free just on his own website. So he likes he likes doing things on the side too. Right. But as for like specific gaming people, I mean we we're featured for like Ubisoft and all those big game studios, so they always hire people. But I don't. I know there's Unreal Engine and there's, you know, all those, all those things that are happening with gaming, but it's not really my world so much. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, now I guess, uh, one thing I guess I was wanting to come to, one thing that actually, uh, interested me in wanting to speak to you is, uh, like I've, I've heard some people speak over the past, I don't know, six months to a year about their take on the future of animation, especially in relation to AI. And, um, you know, what does that hold forth for being in animation? You hear everything from it could add to the fluidity or richness of the profession to, like, soon uh, animators are kind of uh, either A, will not be needed, or B, they will be kind of doing... uh, less like more sparing and like paid less and won't need as many of them as we did kind of thing. Cause AI is going to take it over whether I've heard of programs that I, I'm not pretending to know that much about them, but programs like daily two and what things like that, that are going to come in. So I, I don't know if you have anything to add to this as so someone who's been through both like a pre-digital sort of pre-digital age up till now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it is impressive what AI can do for sure. Mm-hmm. And like the writing side of it or even the art side of it. The tricky thing is going to be making content that is, that is original and watchable, which, you know, if you type in, you know, to chat GBT, like, you know, 
write me an essay like the godfather and got and like gangster talking stuff they can do that but like could they make a whole cartoon like that and make it watchable and make a whole season of it probably not they could probably mm-hmm. do like one-offs that are like that are humorous make something that's shitty and it'll make us laugh and then sure they could grab stuff but I don't think you could, you could engage and have the depth that, you know, a good writing team and a good directing team and good animators could get. But who knows? Maybe I'll be proved wrong. Maybe the whole thing, maybe it'll, maybe they can make better Simpsons episodes than the actual Simpsons directors. Who knows? Well, yeah, or at least since season five or something like that from now, from now till now. Anyway, uh, that, that may be another issue, but I, I kind of, I kind of agree with you for now. When you're saying the word depth, I, I don't think what we currently have is quite there. I'm not coming at it from an animated perspective, but like I've, I've known of people who've done it like to, um, uh, from more of a journalistic perspective, trying to, uh, like, uh, get, uh, chat to write an article for them. And it does come up with like sort of a headline or synopsis that, oh, that can make sense and that. But if you're wanting it to go kind of like, further kind of like a more in an investigative kind of reporting sense it just sort of gives you kind of fluff it doesn't really it doesn't really add anything it's like it it sounds good at the beginning but it doesn't really have much substance to it in the end okay mm-hmm. so it sounds like what you're saying that's kind of the state for animation too of what's available yeah yeah i don't know i don't know so much i don't i'm not afraid of it i'll fight it okay you're not afraid of it that's good to hear all right. Good. Um, now, is there anything personally in just like how you approach your day, your work day and what you've done in animation from when, like you said, you left Peterborough at your married life and how many children do you have? Uh, just or, one, one little, just one, one little, well, one little that's, four like year still, old. that's still a lot. Uh, yeah. so, um, how's that like sort of changed how you work? Because I, I, I don't know. My, Maybe I'm wrong, but I kind of can see animation being like a 24-7 thing at times if you're really like in the middle of a project and having to meet deadlines and everything. Yeah, yeah. When I was younger, I, you know, you would just not sleep or you'd mm-hmm. sleep in short bursts, but we would we would work all day, all night. And now mm-hmm. having a four-year-old, it's, yeah, you can't you can't do that. And it takes a huge chunk out of your day too, like getting them ready and, this, and taking them to school and picking them up from school. And then you got to talk to them and stuff. It's madness. So, uh, it's definitely like slowed down my, my super work ethic. Uh, but it's fine. You're raising a human and that's, that's going to happen. And the other thing is, is there's other people. So I'm at a, I'm at a state where I'm not just an animator. I'm more of a supervisor producer. So other people are doing stuff and it takes less time to, to do. Cause I just tell them how to do it better, do that better, mm-hmm. make that better. Right. And they do it. So, so if I was trying to do everything, then it, you couldn't do that with kids, but because other people do a great job too, then let them do their jobs. I guess that's why you're also a team format helps as well. So yeah, mm-hmm. working on something. Um, and now I, I don't think I pursued this enough when you were saying it before, but what acting experiences going back to the early days, what acting experiences did you have that you found help, like helped you and applied to your animation trade? Um, I was in a Peterborough theater guild play called death trap. Mm-hmm. I played, I think Clifford maybe. 
but that was great. Um, mm-hmm. being on stage, uh, my first kind of gig in high school, I played Robin Hood in a kid's play. Um, so that kind of got me hooked. And then, and then super popular show stuff, um, just playing all kinds of different characters and then shrimp stuff, playing all different characters. Um, so all that, all that acting, uh, and comedy really got me comfortable, Mm -hmm. uh, in front of, in front of people. So I think all that, like when I'm, when I'm talking to my class or talking to whoever, I'm, I'm quite comfortable just being casual and kind of being a jackass too, where I wasn't as comfortable before. So, okay. so that was good. Yeah. <laughs> well, it applies to a lot of social interactions people do yeah. in life and yes, can make things a lot better for you. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Now, now one other issue I was going to hold, I just, just the only other one I was going to ask you about. So kind of the last I I don't know. I've lost the timeline of when exactly they've taken almost everything over, but like it's kind of a Disneyfication of almost the whole industry. Like they own quite a bit now. Um, is that, uh, is that presented new challenges for animation in any sense or not really? Like it doesn't really matter who's owning what sort of thing. Um, I don't think it matters. It doesn't matter to us really in Canada. We're kind of in our own bubble and we mm-hmm. work on our own stuff. I'd say what, what affected us more in Canada is chorus, mm-hmm. uh, chorus entertainment eating everything. So, uh, they ate Nelvana, which was the big company in Toronto that made right. come, you know, made Care Bears and, and Inspector Gadget and like all the cartoons of our, of our childhood, Beetlejuice, mm-hmm. the cartoon. So now chorus owns that and they own Teletoon, which plays the cartoons and they own Toon Boom, which is the software that people use for making the cartoons. So Chorus has a monopoly on, on all that. And so they have a weird grip on Canadian cartoons. Um, so I don't want to go into too much of that, but I, I don't know if that's a good thing. You, you're, okay. You're saying that does affect us though here. And is that, is that in part due to some CRTC regulations or am I, am I off? Base. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, they, Chorus is just one of those companies that buys everything. So mm-hmm. they own like, you know, they own the Wolf radio station. They own, uh, 107. They own so many radio stations and stuff. So it's just a monopoly on Canadian entertainment. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's, it's tricky to get on. Like there's the Teletoon is the station that you want to get on in Canada for cartoons, right? Mm-hmm. But if they own it and then they have their own content, uh, then it's trickier to get greenlit because, you know, you got to get past them. Right. Um, now what, now since you said you started Teletoons and the first one you mentioned was Bugs Bunny is, do you have a favorite character of Bugs Bunny when you grew up? Um, well, I mean, like Bugs is good because he's sneaky and he's tricky and he's funny mm-hmm. and he's witty. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he always, he always outwits whoever he has to and he gets by. He's a survivor. Um, but he's also kind of like a prankster and sometimes kind of a dick too. The way he gets back Definitely at people. Definitely dick sometimes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and Daffy's the crazy one. I mean, I like mm-hmm. classic. I like the, I like those classically. Whereas if you look at like Space Jam, they change the characters a little bit. Uh, they don't quite understand the same thing with kind of with the Muppets, how they change it. So I like 
I like the first iterations of some of those characters when they were directed by the animators. So Chuck Jones, um, or Frizz Freeling or, um, Bob Clampett. Those are all like the original directors and animators of the Warner brother cartoons. So I like their style of telling stories and, <laughs> and violence and silliness. But a lot of that was like they were animating to, you know, grownups who watch cartoons and weren't animating to kids. They were animating to people in the war and trying to entertain troops and that kind of thing. So there's a lot of jokes that were thrown around for like Humphrey Bogart movies and that kind of stuff. Yeah. So it's, it's more of that older knowing jokes that like sometimes we don't get, like I'll watch a cartoon. I'm like, I don't even understand what this reference is for. Cause they're doing like, um, Sierra Madre thing, like, can he spare a dollar for a fellow American who was down on his luck? And that's like, mm -hmm. that's like Humphrey Bogart from the Sierra Madre movie, wherever that is. And it's like, right. it's, it's funny, hilarious, classic stuff that is uh, totally out of date at this point. Yeah. And I, I don't know, with Space Jam, it's just my own take, but I don't know, it sometimes feels more like a bit like a branding exercise as much as anything else, which is, Maybe not so much in the original material that there's a little more, uh, yeah, I mean, a little more, a little more like color to it. I guess that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know why they made it. It was to, mm -hmm. you know, to sell stuff for sure. And Michael Jordan, yeah. who doesn't like Michael Jordan and all that. So whatever. Right. Good for them making money. Yeah. But some people really love Space Jam, but those people. So, are so a lot of people do. A lot of people do. Yeah. Not doubting its popularity. Um, well, well, thank you very much for that. I guess I'll just say, what is the um, event you were you were talking about that Taffy's about to do? You were. Uh, we have a film festival, so the Toronto okay. Animation Film Festival. Part of it's online; you can watch stuff from home, mm -hmm. and part of it's in person for the first time in two years, three years, and that's at Hot Docs downtown on Bloor right. Street. We're in mm -hmm. Bathurst in Toronto, so we got features around the world. We're playing. Um, a cool one that we haven't even announced yet, but I'll tell you because you're not going to tell anybody, will you? Will you no, Tim? no, I won't. No, no. <laughs> so we're playing the the Puss in Boots uh, new feature that was released, oh, nice. uh, and then we're and then we're bringing up uh, one of the directors from it, so he's going to talk, do a little behind the scenes stuff too. So what we really like is showing movies and then interviewing the directors to talk about it, directors, the creators. So that's that's what we like to do, and we get to do it. So that's, okay. that's a special thing. Excellent. What dates are this? Is, is it on again? February 16th to 18th in person at okay. Hot Docs. And then we're playing three features before that online as well. But taffy.com is where you want to be, Tim. 